So this morning we will begin to study the Bible anew. We spent almost five years of Sundays studying from the Gospel of John through the book of Revelation. So we're going to go back to the beginning now. If you haven't done so already, you can open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Of course, the word Genesis means beginnings or beginning. We take that word from the Greek. In the Hebrew, it's the word reisheith, reisheith. And that uh, Hebrew word, it just means in the beginning. And it take, they took the first three words, reisheith, from the Bible, in the beginning. And, um, but in the Greek, it's Genesis. And we're going to go ahead and just jump right on into it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, I can't help but pause right there. These first five words of Scripture here are so huge. That is, in the beginning, God created. And we, can on, we could honestly talk about that for a couple hours. We could literally spend a couple hours just talking about those words. In the beginning, God created. You see, these words have been under such strong attack by mankind for many, many years now. Those simple words, in the beginning, God created, right? If we can just remove God, then there's so much that we don't have to deal with any longer. We can be as sinful as we want to be. We can live as in any way we want to live, and there will be no accountability for it if we could just remove God. And mankind has tried to do so for many years now. You see, if in the beginning there was just a, a mass of gases floating around in space and these gases just exploded and then amazingly cooled off and formed our planetary system, and then, and then just out of all this came this planet Earth that is just happens to be perfectly distanced from the sun and in, in such a way that it can support life and our atmosphere was just a, amazingly a perfect balance of nitrogen, oxygen, variant gases that allow us to breathe. And somehow it just so happened that there was this ozone layer around the earth and a, a magnetic force around the earth that protects us from the suns. You see, if all of that just happened and we can just remove God and say it was just an explosion, then we can just live how we want to live. We could just be anything we want to be with no accountability to the fact that in the beginning, God. But there is a God. And you see, to me, the thought of there not being a God is foolishness. I've never been able to believe such a thing. You know, I'm not the first to, to say any of this, but I surely do not have enough faith to believe in evolution. I don't have enough faith for that. For me, it's easier just to simply believe that in the beginning, God created, right? Now, I know that we've only looked at one sentence here in Genesis, but I want you to mark this page, and I want you to turn to the New Testament book of Romans, Romans chapter 1, because we're going to talk a little bit about in the beginning, God created, and think on that fact, right? Romans chapter 1.
Romans chapter 1, and, and let's start reading down in verse 16. This is the Apostle Paul speaking in his letter to those in Rome. And of course, he is led by the Holy Spirit in this. But he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So pause right there. The just shall live by faith. Now faith is a very practical, rubber meets the road kind of word, right? This is how we are to live, by faith. All the world around us tells us to live by sight. Do what feels good to you. Don't worry about anything else, okay? But faith tells us that this world is not right, in that there is a, a way to live that is contrary to doing whatever feels good or just following the crowd and, and thinking in the way everyone else thinks, right? Faith causes us to live differently. In the book of Proverbs chapter 14, and verse 12, it says that there is a way that seems right to man. But its end is the way of death. That's always been a very powerful proverb to me. There is a way that seems right to man. And before coming to Christ, I walked in that way. I just walked in the way that seemed right. I just walked in the way that the rest of the world walked. But it says, but its end is the way of death. You see, but it's, it's just far easier to walk by sight in this world. Most of, most of the world around us lives in such a way that they deny God in their daily lives and it's far easier to just go with the flow of the world around you. But let's read on here, Romans uh, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. So that's interesting, isn't it? God makes himself known to mankind but mankind suppresses the truth of God. How is God known to mankind today? Look at verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So God can be clearly seen and understood by the things that are made. In other words, simply by looking at creation. Just like we sung, the moon and the stars declare who you are. Okay? And the Word of God tells us that man is inexcusable because God is in creation. We see him, right? We see his handiwork, right? In the beginning, God created. Those words are so important. Those are the first five words of the Bible, and this is the very simple way that mankind can know the existence of God. Just take some time to look at creation around you. But mankind as a whole does not do this, do they? 
Let's read on. It says, verse 21, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Wow, this is powerful stuff to think about here. How does the hearts of mankind become darkened to the things of God? How do we get blind to the things of God? Our hearts become darkened when we do not glorify God and are not thankful for all that He has given us. Instead, we have futile thoughts that lead us away from God, lead us away from faith, and take us to a place where we believe theories and we believe philosophies, okay? Like evolution, for example. Man comes up with this because they want to deny that in the beginning, God. And, as, and we as mankind have done these kinds of things and we think that in so doing that we are wise. Verse 22 says, Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Does mankind worship the creature, their own creature today? I, I drive around all day, you know, for my work, and I'm just amazed that people come up to stoplights and take selfies. <laughs> I see it all day. People just stop and take selfies of themselves. You know, it's, mankind has become more and more focused on themselves and, and, and everything but God. You know, rather than what the gospel teaches us to do is to deny ourselves, take up the cross and follow after him, right? To not live for ourselves, but to live for Christ. So we as mankind, and I do say we, I'm not pointing fingers at the rest of the world. We as mankind fall into all kinds of things when we do not retain the knowledge of God. And these next six verses will describe some of the things that mankind does while turning their backs on God. Verse 26 says, For this reason God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lusts for one another. Men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. You know, a lot of people like to focus heavily on those verses right there, but there's a whole lot of other things going to be listed here that mankind does to turn their backs on God. Verse 28, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Can you believe that's right there in the list with all of this other stuff? 
undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those things who practice them. So those verses are a description of us, mankind, without God. Mankind wants to deny that in the beginning God created. And as a result, we have debased minds. And the only answer for us is that we must be born again. Okay? The only answer for us was that one of us had to pay the price for the sin of mankind and bring us back into a right relationship with our Creator. A man had to do that. But there was not found one worthy enough to do so, so God Himself became flesh and dwelt among us. He became one of us, and He paid the price for our sin. That's why back in verse 16 there, the Apostle Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. But unfortunately today, mankind, for the most part, continues to deny God. We continue to think that we are wise enough to figure it out all on our own. Even though the God of creation is visible all around us. Now, before we leave the New Testament here and turn back to Genesis, I want you to turn for a moment to the Gospel of John. Back to the left from where you are in Romans there. John chapter 1. Now I'm not going to spend much time here, but it's important that we see something here before we go back to Genesis, to the Old Testament. Very familiar verses. John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, the reason that I think that it's important here that we look at this today, because we're talking about the beginning. And we are doing so in the book of Genesis. But the Apostle John here is also talking about the very same time, the beginning here, the beginning of creation. And he says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. So you see, John is talking about Jesus here. John often referred to Jesus as the Word, and we're going to talk about that again a little bit later here. But if you look down at verse 14 now, in John chapter 1, verse 14, it says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So this is who Jesus was and is. Jesus is the Word made flesh. 
God himself became flesh and dwelt among us. God the creator is called by John here the word. So Jesus when he came to the earth was God in the flesh and this is why though he was a man he was worthy to die for the sin of the world because he was also God and he remained without sin as a man on this earth. Now I, I just want you to keep all of this in your mind as we turn back to Genesis chapter 1 now. Genesis chapter 1. So thus far this morning we've seen that God is the creator. Mankind doesn't want the knowledge of God but would rather follow their futile thoughts and thereby live however they want to live. And we've also seen that Jesus was the Word made flesh and that He was there in the beginning with God. So a lot to think about already here, right? And back here in Genesis, we'll continue looking at the account of creation. And let's just start in verse 1 again. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now... I'll tell you here, I am very, very simplistic when it comes to my faith in God. I'm very, very simplistic when I study scriptures, right? For me, when I came to the end of myself back in 1986 and I realized that, that I was every bit of that person that we read about in Romans chapter 1, I, I, I could check off so many things on that list as to who I was, right? In other words, I had a debased mind. I live in immorality. I, I was malicious. I was full of envy. I was a backbiter. I was violent. I was a boaster. I was inventor of evil. I was disobedient to my parents. I was all of the above without Christ. But when I came to the end of me, I went full force into my faith in God. My life just became all about walking by faith and not by sight. Right? He made his love known to me in my heart. And it was sufficient for me at that point just to, to soak in his word and desire to live in obedience to his word and in obedience to him. So when it says there that the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep, I don't personally need any further explanation as to why it was that way. I am content just to know that what God did about it. Okay? But in fairness, there are those that believe that something happened between verse 1 and verse 2 that must have caused the earth to be without form and void. They believe that there must have been some sort of catastrophe or something that caused it to be this way. Some say that it was the fall of the angel Lucifer, right, slash Satan, that caused the earth to be without form and void. But again, for me personally, I'm just content just to take a look at God's Word here and be encouraged by the fact that whatever reason the earth was dark, God didn't leave it that way. I care about the light, not the darkness. It says at the end of verse 2 there that the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters and God did something about this darkness. And verse, two, verse 3 says, Then God said, Let there be light. That's what He did about it. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. 
So very simply today we understand that we have light and we have darkness, right? Physical light and physical darkness. We also understand how darkness and light come about today. When the part of the earth that we are on is exposed to the sun, we have light. When the part of the earth that we are on is turned away from the sun, we have darkness. Okay, I'm talking about physical things here, right? It's very simple. And, and the Word of God here is just simply telling us that God created it all. That God created the whole thing. There is physical darkness and physical light. Okay? We're not talking about anything spiritual here, in a sense, in the account of creation. We're talking about very practical stuff. The things that we can easily see with our eyes. So we know that there is a physical light and that there is a physical darkness on this earth. And verse 5 continues and says, God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. So again, this is very simplistic here. This is the account of creation. And we start with day and night. Morning and evening. So that's part of the creation account. And what else is there that God created? Verse 6. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. Now this is a very interesting verse. Why does it say that there was waters that God divided from waters? Well, I'm not at all a very scientific kind of guy, but we do know that there is a water vapor in our sky that keeps this earth habitable, right? There is, this is the greenhouse effect, okay? And it seems here that when God created all that he did, that there was water in some form that covered everything, okay? We don't have to picture this as liquid water, though this is the easiest form of water for us to understand. Water, of course, has three states, right? There is its gas state which again we call vapor. There is its liquid state, which we simply call water. And then there is its solid state, like ice and snow. But this water at creation, as God talks about it here, covered everything. And if you look back at verse 2 there again, we see where it says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over all of this, right? Oh, hovering over the face of the waters. So God decided to divide this water up in some way and make this earth a place where we could live. Verse 7 says, Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which are under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. Now, a firmament is a dome or an expanse. Some Bibles translate that as an expanse or a space. That's what a firmament is. The Bible refers to this firmament also as a heaven, right? We know that we have a, a firmament slash heaven above us right now that we call the sky. And this is the place where the birds fly. This is the place where our airplanes fly, right? And we also know that we have a space, a firmament, a heaven, if you will, where the stars and the moon dwell. And we also know that there is a heaven in which God dwells, which is above all else. So we can go to the first heaven, the sky, by getting into an airplane. 
We can go into the second heaven by getting into a spaceship. But we can't get to the third heaven where God dwells unless we're born again in Jesus Christ. But as God divided the waters from the waters, verse 8 says, And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. So that's two days of creation so far. Verse 9. Then God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. So this is pretty simple to understand, right? We have dry land on the earth, and all around the dry land is water. Okay? But God here has made the dry land appear, and verse 10 says, And God called the dry land earth. And the gathering together of the water he called seas. And God saw that it was good. So we see a couple of things here thus far. For one, everything God is making is good. There's nothing wrong with any of it. Everything he's making is good. But there's something else I want to point out to you here. And that is the way in which God is creating everything here. Do you notice that in all that we see God doing here, it says that he is speaking it all into being. Look back at verse 3. Then God said. Verse 6. Then God said. Verse 9. Then God said. So God is a spirit. Verse 2 tells us that. And Jesus also told the woman at the well in John chapter 4 that God is a spirit. He said to her, God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And again, I'm reminding you that, that God the Spirit became flesh and dwelt among us as Jesus Christ. But in the beginning, it was just the Spirit of God that spoke all things into being. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But creation came about as a result of God just speaking it into existence. Let's move on. Verse 11. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. So this is one reason to be thankful and glorify God here. Isn't it good that the grass and, and the fruit trees, that they yield seed within themselves so that we can keep on planting and not run out of this stuff and we can keep on eating and keep on living, right? And so far we've gotten through three days of creation here. And then verse 14, Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. 
So again, pretty simple here. We're seeing the creation of the sun, the moon, and the stars here. God spoke all of this into being as well. Have you ever gone out and just found some place to go stargaze? I love it. I think that the night sky is absolutely amazing. Ever since I was a child, I've always laid on the grass and looked to the night sky. And it's also, it's just also awesome just to, to spend time doing that, looking at the daytime sky, looking at the clouds, you know, finding a shade tree and looking at that. I remember being 10 years old and going on a field trip when I was in school to the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia. And there's a, a planetarium that was put there in 1933. They put the planetarium there. But anyway, it's called the Fells Planetarium. But I remember going into that planetarium and, and looking and them showing you the, 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 the nighttime sky and showing you the constellations and all that. And I remember this having such an amazing impact on my life because I remember thinking all of this, even as a 10-year-old, as a fourth grader, thinking all of this couldn't have just happened because it just so happened that we were being taught evolution in the fourth grade. And then they took us to this planetarium where I said, no, in my mind, I said, there's a God. How do you get these pictures in the sky? How do you get this beauty like this? How did all of this just happen, right? So, and David said in Psalm 8, King David, that is, he said, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers. In other words, when he looks up to the sky. That's why I think it's important that we do It'll take time to look up. Because David said, when I consider your heaven, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, he says, David says, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you would visit him? Because in other words, it makes you feel so small. And it makes you see how awesome God is. That's why I love the words to that song. I'm glad you chose that song, Dustin. You know, we're singing, you are holy, great and mighty. And you just picture the stars and you say, the, the moon and the stars declare who you are, you know. And just by looking at creation, we can see that God is holy. He's great and mighty. But the Word of God gives us some more detail here of these lights. It says in verse 16, Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. So everything is still good. It's all good, right? There was darkness on the earth, but God spoke light into that darkness in verse 3. And everything changed. And everything became good. So we've been through four days. And we have light. The light of the sun, the moon, and the stars. We have darkness as well. The light is called day. The darkness is called night. We have the creation of the firmament, the heavens, right? The sky above, the outer space above that. We have fruit trees. We have grass. We have seas. And we have dry land. And verse 20 continues. Then God said, Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth 
across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So do you see that? That's where the birds fly. In that space above us that we call the sky, but it's also called a firmament or heaven. Not to be confused with outer space, and not that is a heaven, and not to be confused with the heaven where God dwells. But there in verse 20, God also created the creatures of the seas. And I think it's pretty cool that birds and the sea creatures are mentioned in the same verse because I also remember learning in school about the role that birds play in our ecosystem today. They help us by consuming large amounts of fish and they are also responsible for moving fish eggs from oceans and moving them around and, and from lakes and things like that, right? So, verse 21, So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. You know, like I said earlier, we really could spend a whole lot more time talking about a lot of this stuff, but you know, when you, when you, I've seen some shows where they'll show some sea creatures with flashlights on their head, it looks like, you know, some type of weird sea creature that has a light you know, built into his forehead, you know, just all the creatures of the sea that you can imagine that, that God created all of this. God is awesome. He is mighty. He is all-powerful, okay? But yet we as mankind come along and think we're wise and we can do it without this all-powerful God, right? But anyway, verse 22 says, And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas. And let the birds multiply on the earth. See, God spoke everything into being. Every action, right? So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind. Cattle and creeping things and beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind. Cattle and according to its kind. And every thing that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So at the close of the fifth day, we have the creation of what we would call livestock and animals and insects and the like, right? But now we come to you and me. Now we come to verse 26, okay? Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So let's talk about these verses. First of all, between verse 25 and verse 26, there's a very clear distinction made, and that is, is that there is a difference between animal life and human life. I know that might sound very simplistic, but our kids aren't taught that in school today. They, they, they act as if it's all one. But there's a very you know, strong distinction between animal life and human life. Biologically, 
We may have some similarities to animals, but morally, intellectually, spiritually, we are very different. And that is because we are the only part of creation created in the image of God Himself. Right? Do you ever wonder why so many of our youth and adults, for that matter, behave in a wild fashion and act like animals? It's because they're being taught in school that they are animals. And, that, and they are not being taught that they are created in the image of God, which I believe falls in the responsibility of the home. But we must become rooted and grounded in this fact. If we are to be all that God designed us to be, we must understand that we are created in the image of God. But secondly, here we see in verse 26, we see the words us and the word our. Us and our are plural words, aren't they? Why is God spoken of here in plurality? Well, the Hebrew word for God here is the word Elohim. And it's a word that speaks of plurality in the Godhead. Let's just keep that in mind and turn uh, to the back of your Bible to the book of 1 John. I really want you to follow along with me here, so take a moment to find that 1 John, not the Gospel of John, but all the way toward the back of your Bible, you'll find 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. We're going to look at 1 John chapter 5. First John chapter 5, and let's just look at verse 7. It says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. So remember, in the beginning, God. Who is this God? He is God the Father, right? He is the Word. Remember I said that the Apostle John often referred to Jesus as the Word. He is the Word, right? That part of God that spoke everything into being. The Word spoke everything into being. And we know that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us as Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. And then the third part would be God the Holy Spirit. And John is saying here, these three are one. These three are one. I know a lot of people have a hard time understanding what we term as the Trinity, but one way you can look at it is by looking at yourself as a person, right? You're only one person, but you have a spirit which is created in the image of God. You have a soul which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. In this you are able to think and to reason. You're able to plan. You are able to create. You can laugh. You can try, uh, cry. You have feelings, right? And thirdly, you are a body. But you're just one person. Three attributes about you, but you're one person. 
spirit, soul, and body. And we have one God who we're created in His image. So it's not that hard to understand. One God, we're created in His image. The Father, the Son, the Word, right? And the Holy Spirit. So flipping back now to Genesis chapter 1, in verse 26, we saw where it says, Let us make man in our image. Then he gives man dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And in verse 27 it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. So it is the job of both male and female to take care of this earth. And God has established the order. And we are to live in obedience to that order. And in verse 28, it continues and says, Then God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So we see that God made one man and one woman to be together. Okay? One man, one woman to be together. And we'll study that more in depth as we move on in Genesis. But it was to be their job to reproduce and to take care of the earth. A male and a female. And God gave them everything they needed to do so. And verse 29 says, And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. Oh, if we would just stick to eating only that, right? <laughs> verse 30, Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And so it was so. So God gave fruits and herbs for us to eat, and the green herbs for the animals and the insects to eat. Verse 31, Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So when we can say as it pertains to the original creation, it's all good. God is good and he created all things good, very good. Sin, of course, has destroyed the world. And as we go on in Genesis, we're going to see where sin enters the picture. But we'll stop here for today. And let's close in prayer. Father God in heaven, again we thank you for your word. We thank you for creation. We thank you for this beautiful day in which we can gather together in your name and study your word. We pray that by your spirit, Lord, we will go forth into this week and that we will live for your glory, that we will desire to seek you, that we would desire to grow in our knowledge of you, that we would desire to retain you in our knowledge and not allow ourselves to live with a debased mind, Lord. Not allow ourselves to think we're wise in and of ourselves, but to understand that apart from Christ, we can do nothing. But we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. Lord, we need the strength that you provide. 
We need your spirit to come upon us and lead and guide us through this life. Thank you that you have not left us alone, that you have given us your Holy Spirit who is the comforter, the counselor, the teacher, and that we have your word to study, that we might know who you are and what you have done and what your will is for this earth and for our lives. Be glorified in our hearts and minds, Lord, as we go forth into a new week. And again, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.